today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. These countries or would it be Islam who hates Judaism and Christianity so much that it would be just again these forces of Islam coming against through these countries absolutely through just the the religion of Islam who knows I believe that it could be a mixture of both there's a lot of scenarios that are in the play right now and I don't think that we can nail it down hundred percent on any of them but I believe that there's a lot of things that are open for it to go a lot of ways and the plausibility of it and the possibility of it is off the charts for today a hundred years ago i think that's why most during that time looked and said i think this has all been done god's people have always been under attack so much so that it almost looks like some of their part in the book of revelation has already come to pass pastor david is teaching today that it hasn't we are in the midst of the end times as we speak So many things are beginning to line up in Revelation and Ezekiel 38 and 39. It seems like something that we should be scared of, but as Christians, we should be excited. We are closer now to the rapture than we've ever been before. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 19 with today's edition of The Open Word. serve God or to serve Satan. But I don't serve Satan. My dear aunt, whatever, she she doesn't serve Satan. The unfortunate reality is, is if she does not know Jesus, who is her father? Jesus says Satan is her father at that point in time. That's the reality of the gospel. If you don't serve Christ, there's only one other that you have. He said, yeah, but I I steer my own ship. I'm captain of my own boat, and I make my own choices. You're being deceived by the enemy. And some of the nicest, most sincere people that you will ever meet have lived their lives outside of a knowledge of God in their lives, and they will spend an eternity outside of the presence of God in their life. It's the place that the Bible calls hell, and it's a real and true place. God did not make it for mankind. He made it for Satan, for the beast, for the false prophet, and for all the demons that fell with him. But we're going to find out in a little while that if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then that is the destination. No matter how sweet and how kind, outside of Christ, there is no other hope. There seems to be a debate here on who is riding with the Lord when it says that the armies of heaven come in. Clothed with fine linen, white and clean. Well, didn't we just read that the bride was clothed in fine linen, white and clean? So you would think, well, that would pretty well make sense on it. And didn't Jude just say that Enoch said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. 
that would seem to make it pretty clear. But then in Matthew, Jesus speaking, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Paul in 2 Thessalonians speaks of a time of Jesus coming, and this is separate from the one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, it says, In a moment in twinkling eye, the Lord shall descend, and we which are alive and remain. This is separate from this. This is now in 2 Thessalonians. Paul tells us there in 2 Thessalonians that he speaks about when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Well, for me personally, when I look here in Revelation chapter 19, verse 14, when it speaks of the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, following him on white horses, I personally feel this is an angelic host and they are warring angels because there is yet still a huge spiritual battle that's going to be taking place here. And I see this in that way. Is it a mountain I'll die on? No, but I think I'm right. But let's move on. The final end of the age is coming. you got to understand that. The beginning of the millennial reign, though, is right at hand. So the end of this age, the beginning of that thousand-year reign of Christ is coming. But before that reign begins, there has to be first this great battle. You remember back in chapter 16, we read about the spirits of these demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them into the battle of what? That great day of God Almighty. Then in verse 16 of chapter 16, says that they gathered together in a place called in the Hebrew Armageddon. Okay. Now, we never read from there that a battle ever took place. They were gathered there at that point, just ready for it. And I believe that here in Revelation 19, we see the battle beginning and then ending rather abruptly. The battle doesn't go for very long. Listen to what it says here in 19, beginning in verse 17. John writes, he says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourself together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. But in verse 20, it says, then the beast was captured and with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Elsewhere, we read about a battle that the blood comes as high as the horse's bridles. I believe this is the very battle that they're speaking about. I don't always get to listen to all of David Jeremiah on Grace 91.1 FM, local station, but 
I just happened to hear a little bit of it today. He was actually speaking on this passage. He says in chapter 19, there are two great suppers. One is the supper of the Lamb, the wedding feast of the Lamb. The other supper you don't want to be at. The other supper you just don't want to be at. This is the scene that we read about. Because in that second supper, you are the meal, okay? Keep your place here, but go back with me to the book of Ezekiel, if you would, in the Old Testament. This is the same thing that Ezekiel is writing about here in Ezekiel chapter 39. 38 and 39 actually draws them both. I believe that 38, speaking of Gog, the prince of Rosh, and Meshach, and Tubal, bringing all of these countries down together, I believe that these are the kings and the countries that we read about in chapter 16, that these demons lead these kings to come against Israel, meeting there in Armageddon. Then we read all about that, the judgment of God against Gog because they're coming against the land of Israel. Now we get down to chapter 39 of Ezekiel, and let me just read through this for you. But you, son of man, speaking to Ezekiel the prophet, he says, prophesy against Gog and say, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, Gog, the prince of Rosh and Meshach and Tubal. Now he's already said that two or three other times already from the beginning of chapter 38. But he goes on, he says, I will turn you around and lead you on and bringing you up from the far north and bringing you against the mountains of Israel. That's the valley of Armageddon. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. They don't even get a chance to go into war. And you shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all of your troops and the people who are with you. And listen to what he says. And I will give you to birds of prey from every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And you shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. And I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they shall know that I am the Lord." So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am Jehovah, the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and they will set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, the javelins and the spears, and they will make fires with them for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut down any from the forest because they will make fires with the weapons and they will plunder those who plundered them and pillage those who pillaged them, says the Lord God. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place that is in Israel, the valley of which who pass by east of the sea and will obstruct travelers, because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore they will call it the valley of Haman Gog. And for seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Seven months to bury the amount of people who will be destroyed at that battle. That is a long time of burying people. A long time. 
Now, indeed, all the people of the land will be burying, and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of seven months, they will make a search, and the search party will pass through the land, and then when anyone sees a man's bone... He will set up a marker by it till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Harmon Gog, and the name of the city will also be Hamona. Thus they shall cleanse the land. Now, there's been so much speculation and writing and talk about this. What I'm going to share with you is just what I've heard many speaking about. If it is nuclear warfare and the radioactivity of things, one of the reasons why it's going to take so long to bury so many bodies is because of the precautions that would need to be taken. Now, we read in Revelations that the Lord and all of his hosts are going to come down. You think, well, that's not nuclear war, but God has used human means many times in the past, and he simply led them and directed them. How this is all going to happen, we don't know. But I think it's also interesting that it's going to take them seven months to bury, and then they're going to send a special search party out to find if there's anything remaining, if they find a bone, they don't pick it up and throw it in the back of the truck. No, they put a marker on it and they wait for special barriers to come and receive it. We look at Ebola right now. I mean, what a great picture that is. Come in hazmat suits, you know, to take care of people because they don't want to get it at all. And in the same way, something that's nuclearly reactive They don't want to get it all. So special barriers, what a great possibility that is within our time frame. And I think the further we get in to, again, the technology and the warfare that we have going on today, the more sense that that makes. And Israel itself has said, you know what? Somebody comes after us, we're going to go all out. It's not going to be tit for tat. No, you slap me, I'm going to pull a gun. You pull a gun, I'm going to pull a bazooka. You pull a bazooka, we're pulling the nuclear thing. And that's just the way Israel says, we're not going to allow it to happen. And I can really see this whole scenario coming about even today when we look at what's going on in the Middle East. We've talked in the past as we've gone through Revelation, you know, about these different countries and stuff. And would it be necessarily the fact of these countries or would it be Islam who hates Judaism and Christianity so much that it would be just, again, these forces of Islam coming against. Through these countries, absolutely. Through just the, the religion of Islam, who knows? I believe that it could be a mixture of both. There's a lot of scenarios that are in the play right now. And I don't think that we can nail it down 100% on any of them, but I believe that there's a lot of things that are open for it to go a lot of ways, and the plausibility of it and the possibility of it is off the charts for today, 100 years ago. I think that's why most during that time looked and said, I think this has all been done. But beloved, it's never been done. If you look at this, this has never, ever happened in the life of Israel. It's never gone this way. It has to be something that's yet to take place. Listen to what it says down in verse 17. And as for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to every sort of bird and to every beast in the field. Assemble yourselves and come Gather together from all sides to my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. 
a great sacrificial meal on the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty, drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams and lambs, of goats and bulls, all them fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you are full, drink blood till you are drunk at my sacrificial meal, which I am sacrificing for you. You shall be filled at my table with horses and riders, with mighty men and with all the men of war, says the Lord God. And then it goes into a restoration of Israel at that point, which I believe, again, is symbolic of this thousand year, this millennial reign that we're about to get to in the book of Revelation, because we don't see this happening in Israel yet to this time. Has there been restoration in Israel? Yeah, but not like what Ezekiel says here, nothing that even comes close to the greatness and the splendor of everything that's happening. Let's bounce back to Revelation. So we finish with this great meal of the kings of the earth and the armies. Then we get into chapter 20, and he says, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So we have this great battle. God is victorious. Already earlier, we've seen the beast and the false prophet, they've been cast away already. They've already been taken out of the scene. But now here we have Satan, and we have the key to the bottomless pit, and they laid hold of the dragon, that serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and they bind him for a thousand years. And the last portion of verse 3, it says, but after these things, he must be released for a little while. Okay, I'm not God, okay? I'm thinking, I wouldn't release him. I wouldn't release him. But there's a plan. There's a reason for it. He's taken out of the scene totally. He won't be anybody's excuse. Some of you are old enough to remember a show that my parents used to watch. No. uh, (laughs) You remember Flip Wilson, yeah. And remember his comedy routine whenever you do something bad? What was his excuse? The devil made me do it. Well, God's going to remove that excuse for a thousand years. No, you can't say the devil made you do it. Is demons the deceit? No. You're on your own to make that choice. There'll be absolutely no excuse. But you look at this and you see, but it looks so close to being done, to being absolutely completed. Why this thousand years? Why don't we just go ahead and get it over with? Beloved, because you and I, we see about this far, don't we? Yeah. We don't see beyond today. We have a vague memory of yesterday, and we absolutely don't understand today. So that's why we're not God, and that's why God is God. There's things that he's doing. There's things that he's working, even now as we live in the time that we're in. Some say that, no, all of this has already been done. The the book of Revelation, at least in these chapters here, this has already been done, and Satan is already bound. If Satan is bound, God help us prior to that point. 
because of the evilness and the wickedness that we see in the world today. No, Satan is not bound. Hal Lindsey said back in the 70s, Satan is alive and well on the planet Earth. Well, guess what? It's uh, 2014 and Satan is still alive and well on the planet Earth. But you know what? I think he's getting busier because I believe that he also senses what we sense and what we see going around, that the end is near. And so you know what that means? Is he's going to do everything that he can in these last days to destroy as many testimonies of believers to destroy as many marriages that he can, to destroy as many ministries as he can, to destroy the testimony of the saints. Why? Because it's the testimony of the saints that impact a lost and dying world. You see, when you and I are able to live our lives in the midst of all the garbage of this world, still living to the honor and the glory of Christ, even with every pulling and stretching and heartbreak and calamity and trial that comes our way, when you and I are still able to say, hallelujah, our God reigns in the midst of that. And the world around us, so how, can you even, how can you even be that? How can you be that? I see what's going on in your life. And beloved, that opens up the testimony of your life to non-believers. That I don't love God. I don't love Christ. I'm not following Jesus because he's a vending machine. I'm following him because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And because in spite of me, he died for my sin in order that I might have relationship with him. I don't love him for all I get. I give my life to him because he gave his life for me. And beloved, as it gets darker and it gets harder, in some of your lives, I know you're going through all kinds of garbage even now. You might feel you're in the great tribulation even now, but believe me, it's not what it's going to be. Shine for Christ right now. Shine for Jesus right now in this dark place. Be faithful where God has planted you. And, you know, we can wish and dream to be someplace else, to do something else, to have something else. But you know what? If God is God, and he is, and he's in charge of all his creation, and he is, and he knows every hair in your head, and he knows every breath that you take, every beat of your heart, if he knows the number of your days, and he has you in the place that you're at, then it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. Hallelujah, our Lord God reigns. In the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my worries, in the midst of my failures, in the midst of my disappointments, my God reigns. My God reigns. I do not worship my circumstances. I worship my God. Beloved, when we, as his people, walk like that rather than just talk like that. It'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. It'll make a difference in how we live. I don't know anybody's health condition, so just bear with me. I'm not talking about anybody here. But you know what? Christians with ulcers, that ought to be an oxymoron, okay? Christian with an ulcer, because Uh, From what I understand, most ulcers are caused by worrying and fretting and anxiety. And I know there's a lot of things. And and I'm making light of something that may not be light in your case. But come to the point is, is that you and I really ought not live our lives in worry and in fret. 
Trust God. Lean on Him. Even in the dark times, even in the quiet times, when He doesn't answer, even in the dark times when you can't see His face, trust Him in the midst of that. He will reveal Himself in due season. We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from The Open Word. Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris. We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on The Open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day. So why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.